Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to On the Continent, your definitive guide to the week in European football. I'm Dotson Adebayo. And I'm Andy Brassel. On this edition... How on earth did Dortmund not win the Bundesliga for the first time in Jongs? Also, as the Napoli coach, quote-unquote, takes a break, who is going to lead the Italian champions into next season? Jose Mourinho, perhaps. And it's welcome to hell for the 23rd time for Besiktas and Fenerbahce fans. How did Galatasaray win yet another title in the Turkish League? Dortmund, 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 Andy. Last week, we sat here talking about how they were literally a hair's breadth away from the Bundesliga title with Bayern Munich chasing them. And I do remember us saying, it ain't over. It ain't over. But how on earth did they not win? It's a question we'll be asking ourselves for a long time. They planned the route to Borsigplatz after signing the Golden Book of the City of Dortmund. It was already... And they couldn't quite get it done after uh, all they had to do was beat Mainz on the final day. In the end, drew 2-2. Thankfully, we've got somebody who was there when they drew 2-2, Archie Rin 2. So, Archie, uh, a week on, um, we were talking a moment ago and you're still in a certain state of discombobulation as to the outcome of the Bundesliga this season. The more and more I think about it, Dalton, the more I think, have I ever been to an event, let alone a game of football like Saturday, where when I'm so used to 
one of the loudest places that I've ever been to and regularly go to falling as silent as it is. And I think when when there's 80,000 people being quiet and it's not for a moment of respect and it's just out of shock, then it leaves a certain mark with you. I'm used to, even in sad moments at Borussia Dortmund when they lose a home game, which they've only done on one occasion in the whole of this season in the Bundesliga, there's usually some music going on, you know, some some light bubble, shall we say. But the silence and the fact that it was just kind of kind of murmurings like you're at some sort of county cricket ground and and there's only four people there or something. I, that That's what has really struck me and that Borussia Dortmund managed to somehow not become Bundesliga champions when everything, all the stars looked like they were aligning for them to do so is is just incredible and shows yeah why why sport is unbeatable <laughs> as well. well archie obviously the everything that could have gone wrong for dortmund in the first half did go wrong in terms of conceding two goals in terms of the penalty miss in terms of the second penalty that could have been given just after Alain missed his that wasn't given um at what point do you think they started to think we're really in trouble here what, I mean, you know, so much of it, as you were saying, at, at, at Dortmund is about the atmosphere in the stadium. You know, it's something mm. that can carry you or flatten you. So at what point do you think the crowd started to wobble as well as the team? It was the penalty miss. It was when Haller missed the penalty at 1-0 down because I think the crowd got behind them when they went 1-0 down and were like, come on, we can do this. But that was the point when when everyone's belief was like, oh no, we're not going to actually Archie, do this, Archie, the last time we? I was there with you, you were saying to me, why is Emre Can not taking it? Were you saying that again? <laughs> yeah, to be honest, it was. But, but how are you going to tell Sebastian Haller? Mate, sorry, um, you've, you've shown to be a better human being than all of us this season by coming back uh from from cancer and being excellent on the pitch no, you know what you can't have the but ball is that, is that the, the problem that, that we've um, got two into narrative arcs rather than actually winning a football match i think ultimately the greatest strength of borussia dortmund and their coach edin terzic also became their weakness and that was this emotion emotionality um uh, germans don't do that though do from, they yeah they don't the do German emotionality word. in germany um, they did on saturday oh they i edin terzic is is very i'd say emotionally in touch uh as all the tears at full time showed um and i think that Actually, like they've used that emotion to fuel them at the best of times and they've been unbeatable at home because of that and they look they they did overthink things but the thing is i've watched back the highlights again eight out of ten times they win yeah. that game even with the two Mainz goals 
because of all the chances. It's just everything went just that millimetre wide or all the positions they were in, whether it's Marco Royce, whether it's Mats Hummels, whether it's Sebastian Haller at a different point. Even the second penalty that they should have had in the first half that the referee, I think, doesn't check because in his mind he's thinking, I can't give another one of, of the same of the same ilk. I can't explain it because it's a knee in the back of Rafael Guerrero. It's like, that's a penalty. Um, I think that it was just lots and lots of factors coming together that that caused it. And it was just so surreal. Another moment which which caught me was going down to pitch side at half time to to do a report for TV and at that moment I, I was walking past just quite a few Dortmund fans who were just out in the concourse and they were just sitting on the steps and thousand yard stares of is this really happening this can't be happening that was when it like the magnitude of this yeah event really started to sink in with me about okay this is you you know how much it it means but really this is this is the most important thing to to these people and yeah um that along with one confetti cannon going off in the second half um i was thinking the players don't need this i it was on the far side of the pitch and this just I just saw this whoosh of like yellow confetti go up of just strings. I was like, I as if the players didn't feel under enough pressure. Anyone who's playing on that right hand side is now thinking, yeah, I I know what happens if we win the game, but right now we're not. So could really well, do it's, without. It's always that. the sign of a good journalist to be in the place to be at the moment, to be in that place because you could have been uh, watching Bayern Munich. You could have been there. But that wouldn't have been where the drama of this um, unravelling of the Bundesliga was. Or... Oh, oh, I ah. don't know about that. I don't know. The thing is, with with Bayern Munich right now, there is there is as much drama as anywhere going on. Like the 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 fact, and the fact is, is like as much like Bayern Munich didn't even really win this. Like part of it. Part of the reason why I was so confident that Dortmund would win the title on Saturday was because I didn't think Bayern Munich would necessarily win at Cologne. Did you, did you not? I didn't think that was a not? given, th- and that's, in, that's and interesting it wasn't. because I, I don't know if it's like years of Bayern muscle memory and you know Bayern just being Bayern, although Bayern haven't really been Bayern this year. The, the only the only point at which I thought, hang on, is when Dejan Lubicic equalised for Cologne with what nine minutes left or something like that because we've got to remember despite the fact that Dortmund were losing that game for most of it and they got the futile equaliser right at the end through through Nicolas Sula for eight minutes they were champions all over again and Archie that would have been the most fitting end to this Bundesliga season if they both didn't get what they needed oh completely uh, I, I've it's been uh it's been a, a Chuckle Brothers title race, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> now, now. There's no for the last for two months, it 34 has been games of trying to... To me, to you. games of trying to put a ladder through a very small doorway. <laughs> There's an image. Yeah. 
Probably if I didn't think of that before. It's a good one. It's a good one. This is a question, though. Question from John on Instagram. And I think I know the answer to this Uh one, Archie. Was this Dortmund's best chance for years to come? For years to come? I thought so in the moment. And it was, it was, I think, the, the, the straightforward thing to think at that moment as well. But the more and more I look at what's going on down in Bavaria and all that drama with the sporting director, Hassan Salihamidzic, and the CEO, Oliver Kahn, both ex-players, of course, at Bayern Legends, being sacked minutes after full time and then it emerges that Oliver Kahn wasn't allowed to travel down to Munich because Bayern say slash also I think it's fair to say leaked uh, that uh, he, he he didn't take his sacking in the most conciliatory way shall we say and uh, wanted and, and nearly came to physical blows with uh, the people who were sacking him in the hierarchy. Imagine that. Um, whilst Ike Bratzo, Hassan Salihamidzic, said, no, sure, understood, I'll still be there to support the team. And all of this this madness that is going on around Bayern, these last two months have been absolute carnage. And you have Thomas Tuchel in there, who I, I don't think has necessarily helped that either i think that he seemed quite erratic as well he he gave this interview right after the uh, man city away game where they lost 3-0 where he said i fell in love with my I team was, with i was in that, i was in that press conference and he sounded insane it bore no relation to the game we just watched he said that on tv then and in the press conference okay and he's been saying weird things since then like you know Sadio Mane I am the first person to defend him and you know I will always be there he's not I don't think he started (laughs) since he said that like and then okay I I take you to Saturday right press conference I was watching this the other day just I'll be interested to see what Tuchel said the, the Bayern press officer begins going, Bayern Munich are Bundesliga champions 2023. Welcome to uh, this press conference with Thomas Tuchel. Uh, Thomas, um, give us your thoughts on, uh, on, on Bayern being champion again. And Thomas Tuchel turns to him and goes, well, I asked you not to ask for me to give some initial <laughs> thoughts on this. So thanks for ignoring me. <laughs> and he goes, oh, it's psych. Yeah, he's Are kidding you kidding you. me? He's got to be kidding you. Are you kidding me? Now, so to come back to John's question in the most roundabout way, I think there are so many fires which continue to sprout up at Bayern. The fact that Benjamin Pavard wants to leave now, Luca Hernandez is probably on his way out as well, which says to me these two players have also watched the last two months of Bayern and gone, you know what? I'm getting out of here now. I, this, is, this is melting down. Um, I think that there is further trouble ahead for Bayern. The question is, can Dortmund well, make up yeah. more ground? You I see, live in that hope. Is the unfortunate thing for this uh, for Dortmund going ahead? If we to answer John on Instagram's question, 
the best chances for Dortmund is Bayern slipping up, isn't it? It's, it's got to be the, the, the two things have have got to happen. Dortmund have got to be spot on, and Bayern have, have got to be all over the shop. The two things have to happen. We've got another question here from Cecil on Instagram saying, "Do you think this capitulation could affect Dortmund next season?" I think, as Archie was saying. There's the temptation to think that. There was that temptation after that Mainz game to think, if they can't get it done now, they're never going to get it done. But actually, the logic of it is Dortmund are actually currently a lot more stable. They're under a coach that they all believe in. They were the best team in the Bundesliga in 2023, not in the whole season, but in, in 2023. Remember, they came from sixth to the... They should have won the title on the, on, on the final day. You've got more out of the senior players, that, which is a huge triumph for Terzic. Emre Can has been brilliant this calendar year. Um, Hummels and Royce have really contributed whether they've been in the team or not. They've both signed new one-year contracts. So finally the senior players are pulling in the right direction. Obviously they'll lose Jude Bellingham, but if they make the right signings, I think that's interesting as well. Whereas Bayern Archie need this complete reset and my God it's going to be expensive. Yeah. I'd I'd also add the uh, Chumbawamba mentality that Borussia Dortmund. <laughs> it's a good one to have. Go on, get back up again. Which is every time, every time they've had a setback, they get like, back up again. Don't go for the follow-up single. And it... <laughs> who remembers that? <laughs> no one wants to hear that. Exactly. There's only one person who remembers that, and that's Andy. <laughs> uh, I think that they, like, even if they did crash a number of times during the season they learn and i think that edin terzic is he's so positive uh, the way he goes about things and i think that they will get back up again right now uh i said i'd said before I, I live in hope i mean of, of of having this sort of excitement at the at the top i even though it's 11 years running for bayern and I, it's still, it's still interesting, uh, at, le- at least from where I'm looking. And the, you talk about the expensive rebuild, Andy. Bayern have never spent over 100 million on a player, and that's a political mark as well of like taste of do we do that? But I think this summer is the time when it's it's, it's going it to be? happen. I think Declan Rice is, is is top of that list for Thomas Tuchel right now. And a number nine. Uh, a number nine. Victor Osimhen has been talked about, but also that he would be a little too expensive for Bayern. But I think top of the list of the club hierarchy is a number nine. Top of Thomas Tuchel's list in, in some sort of Pep Guardiola tribute act is a midfielder. How, how do they then fill that Bellingham hole? Is it, is it really, or will it be easy? It can't be, can it? No, not not just as a player, but also what he brings. I, look, the, the fact he wasn't playing on Saturday, um, I think also was a huge miss for Dortmund in terms of mentality and somebody who would have roused the crowd. He has this thing of always... You know, if he's if he's by the touchline, anywhere near a stand at Dortmund, he'll always kind of get his arms up and going, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. And I think that that can help 
shake the crowd out of yeah that communion with the crowd is incredible to see actually isn't it i mean he's he's yeah. not just a great player and a swiss army knife and midfielder he's he's a genuine leader and i guess if you look back at the moments where dortmund didn't get it done because you don't, you don't just look at this actually you look at the last time they were top of the table when they're against borkham and they ended up complaining for loads about a penalty again that they probably should have got but you know, you can, you've, you've still got... Probably? You've, well, yeah. Probably. More, more, than, more than probably. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't, you can't be Dortmund going to Bochum and complain that we didn't, get, we didn't win the game because we didn't get a penalty. There are other opportunities. I think you go back to the game against Stuttgart where they're 2-0 up against 10 men against one of the worst teams in the league. Mm. It goes back to 2-2. They score in stoppage time through Gio Reyna and then concede an equaliser with the last kick of the game. That, uh, Exactly. That's, a, that's a game that's going to live in your your head forever, really, if if you don't get it over the line. So there were so many other opportunities that they spurned. And at moments like that, you think leadership. Now, it's, it's funny because one of the players who obviously we felt the most sorry for, one of the Dortmund personalities who we felt the most sorry for at the end of Saturday would have been Marco Royce. You know, it would have been great for them to win it for Haller. That's a great story. Great for Terzic, who was on the terraces when they won the double in, in 2012, was to win it as the coach. Royce, who is a Dortmund lifer now, there's no doubt about that. When we talk about the emotionality, as, as you, were, you were saying before... Um, good German word. It, it's a great German word. Uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> okay. I, I th- you look at Royce and you think, if they're going to win something... They need a captain, don't they? I mean, he's captain through seniority, but he's not maybe... There's there's a sense with people I speak to that he's not really got the the strength to take them over the line. One of my mates is one of Marco Royce's biggest fans, and they say exactly the thing that you say there. He's not quite... A You've got to be a killer because for him it is almost it it, it is too emotional. It's it it means too much to him that that he he needs to maybe just focus on his own game. So you think with Bellingham going in the summer, someone like Gregor Korbel in goal, I think would be a good future captain material for Dortmund. Uh, just what what his mentality is. I particularly on the sidelines, I noticed this. Players who front up to the media at difficult times, I have a lot of respect for, and are prepared to stand there and uh, you know shape the narrative around the cause. I I have to say, Matthias Delicht at Bayern, incredible that he stepped into that dressing room and is already doing that. At the worst of times, he's there every time, um, just as a quick aside. But yeah, Royce, <sighs> seeing him walk off the pitch is something that will stay with me for a long time. Just broken, broken. And when when Motohud, who's leaving the club, midfielder, stopped him for a hug, I, just seeing Royce's shoulders shake as he was crying, I... <sighs> The, the, the capacity of human suffering uh, in a sporting context, I think he is the personification of it. It's, I feel so sorry for the guy. I never, 
have I seen someone so talented and been so good in their career and not get the rewards uh, that they merit? Archie, I know uh, we're going to say goodbye to you now, but I've got one question. I hope that this merits sure, sure. Um, its inclusion in this conversation. What on earth are Dortmund going to do with all those T-shirts they printed up saying Dortmund Bundesliga champions 2023? <laughs> so Dortmund didn't do that, to be fair. The ones I took pictures of outside the stadium were very much your scarf sellers. Uh, don't forget to grab one of these lads um, for five euros. And I, st I still saw a guy wearing one after full time on like, well, Sky Sports News Germany champion. being like, just standing behind they're being they're like, true champions, yeah, yeah, yeah. Aren't they? I was like, champions of our hearts. Yeah, exactly. like, <laughs> seriously, that, I, that, that's the thing. And just, just to mention as well, German football history has a funny sense of humor because th this is, I'd say the third time in recent history that, this has happened and Bayern Munich have profited. I go back to 2000 where Leverkusen only needed a point on the final day away at Unterhaching, this suburb of Munich. And Unterhaching did Bayern a favour. Bayern Allegedly. win the title. Michael Ballack scores an own goal. 2001, Dortmund's biggest rivals, Schalke, are famously the four-minute champions. They're on the pitch celebrating in Gelsenkirchen. Uh, when it flashes up on the screen, uh, the the Bayern goal of Patrick Anderson, and their hearts are broken. And then you have this weekend where... <sighs> I'll leave you with this. No one comes to Dortmund and makes them feel as sad as, as they did on Saturday. Even Hans-Joachim Watzke said that that for him, the, the CEO of the club said that that was worse for him than the 2013 Champions League final. Dortmund usually come out on top in these kind of things when it's at home. And yeah, it, it will leave a scar. The question is, how do they deal with it? Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Football Ramble is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life throws many different challenges at us, and as a result, we all have our own sources of stress. Whether big or small, those stresses can impact our lives in unpredictable ways, and if we don't address them, they can have an outsized and unwanted impact. 
Therapy is a safe place in which we can address these issues, learn to understand them and find ways to work through them. Having therapy can be beneficial to anybody, not just people who've experienced major traumas, even if you may have not considered it before. It could be simply a time for you to get things off your chest, a way to learn positive coping skills or how to set boundaries. Ultimately, it can be whatever you need it to be. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and BetterHelp will match you to a licensed therapist. You can even switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash ramble today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash ramble. it's been a fascinating end of the season for one particular Italian club well more than one but certainly when you say Jose Mourinho never loses a cup final I think that's got to be rewritten Andy thankfully we've got uh, Nicky Bandini with us here to rewrite that history do you want to tell people about why that is no longer uh, a confirmed a definitive statement that Jose Mourinho never loses his final well, well, is it no longer definitive? Because it was a penalty shootout. This was a, a, a line I saw a few places last night, actually. You know, was this the perfect ending? You know, Sevilla get to maintain their record of always winning a Europa League final. But Jose still hasn't lost. I mean, he has really, but I, it was a, a, a take I saw that made me laugh. Yeah, it was It was um, quite something that game, wasn't it? Um, I, I have to know, I've already been listening to Andy on Ramble Reacts. And, uh, and his thoughts on, on the game, it was it was a bit of a slog. I don't think there's, there's too much disagreement in that. It was it was a very, very long game that literally started in one month and ended in the next month and um, <laughs> uh, and felt like it at times. Um, but I, I don't think that was a surprise to anyone. And I think that in the end, the ends would have justified the means for Roma if they could do it. Um, but they couldn't. And, uh, and, and so they... Uh, they they lose on penalties to Sevilla, and afterwards we get this sort of immediate question of is Jose Mourinho going to be back next season? He's got another year of contract. Um, his sort of post game gestures towards fans were being sort of immediately interpreted. He was blowing sort of kisses that felt like good vibe kisses to the Roma fans. Um, he did then speak to um, uh, the, the press, and and what he said was he's going on holiday on Monday. And he has a contract for another year, but he can't objectively confirm that he'll be back next season. He said that he would speak to the club if he had an offer from somewhere else. Um, And so far, the only offer he had was in December, which was for the Portuguese national team. He told the club about that. He obviously didn't take that. And he said, if I get an offer, I'll tell them about it. Right now, I don't have an offer. So as of today... Jose is still the manager of Roma, but there was a clear sort of openness to the possibility that that won't be the case next season. And if I'm being honest, I I find it really hard to see him coming back um, next season. He was talking about the players being dead and everyone being wiped out from this season. And it has been a a draining season for for everybody, actually, I think, with the World Cup in the middle of the season. Um, But I, I just feel like Jose is all about narrative. Like Jose sometimes 
he is a brilliant football manager, but I do think he's 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 half narrative construction. And the narrative construction of win the Conference League final, give Roma this this trophy that they have been craving, a European trophy they, have, they haven't had before, and then go to Europa League final. Of course, the perfect ending to that is win the Europa League final. But having not won it, there's no narrative anymore. Like the the, the story no. is at an end, and so I think it's it's time for for Jose and his story that he always wants to write to, to go somewhere else. But it's it's not just about the narrative, is it, Nikki? Because if if you go into that final and you, you think which team needs to win it more, and I know you can talk about Sevilla's legacy in this competition. Roma definitely needed to win it more. There's mm-hmm. no doubt about that. And not just for the trophy, for the Champions League place. Now. Mourinho has spoken in recent weeks uh, about the fact that he feels that the way that the Juventus case has been handled is is a joke. And actually, I have some sympathy with that because um, they had the points taken away, they had them given back, they had some points taken off them again. And Mourinho said, particularly with reference um, to their away games um, at Bologna and Monza, we would have approached it differently. We would have picked a different team. Now, that's not completely concurrent with his view that you know the players are dead and you know they would have needed to rest some players somewhere and all the rest of it but I I think when you don't know what you're aiming for they have taken their eye off the ball in the league there's no doubt about that they put all their eggs in the Europa League basket Um, but but it is what it is they haven't made the Champions League and with that how can they build I mean, they don't have the money to satisfy him. They they didn't have the money to satisfy him anyway. They don't have the money to go to that next level, to make the improvements in the team and squad that he, he wants to. You know, that of course, they wouldn't be able to hold on to Vinaldum next season. I think that's incredibly unlikely that they would be able to. There's a question mark over Dybala with a clause coming up in his contract because they didn't make the, the, the Champions League. So I guess, Nicky, my question to you is... If they're not going to go ahead with Mourinho, which I, I agree with you, I think he's more than more than a probability. Where do they go next from here? Yeah, I mean, I think it's worth saying that that they have definitely spent some money supporting him in the transfer market. I mean, in a single transfer window, spending more than a hundred million euros. So it's not don't don't buy into mm. the story that Jose's never had anything he wants at Roma. Um, but but they did um, they they did. Um, record losses of about 200 million euros in their last accounts and they are under a financial fair play settlement agreement they absolutely have to balance the books right now or they're going to take further punishments from UEFA and um, they need to it's without the Champions League revenue as you've said it they, they need to, to cut costs and it's hard to see um, um, how how Jose will be happy with that um, the the question of of which direction everyone goes goes in next is is fascinating. I mean, again, Mourinho was quite sort of open about the fact that he doesn't have an offer right now. There's been this sort of assumption widely held that he's on his way to Paris Saint Germain. And again, sort of, if we want to talk about the Jose story. I think that Jose to to PSG makes sense, right? Like he sort of come to Roma. Roma was his sort of rebirth after a difficult time at at Tottenham. The chance to go somewhere and and do it his way and be the the sort of um, in his mind, big fish in a small pond. I don't mean to be uncharitable to be Roma, but I think that's certainly the way it was sort of, um, the, the, the story was told. And actually, I don't actually think that everyone in Rome 
Roman supporters would disagree with that. I think there was a perception this is our big character who's come to 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 represent us against all the bullies in the in the north of Italy and and all these other sort of people keeping us <laughs> that down. That works for Jose. Yeah. That narrative works perfectly for him. <laughs> so I think it was a good fit for everyone, but I, I do think he, in his in his mind, in his personal story, will want to go back to the, the the top of the top. And Roma aren't that; they're not playing in the Champions League next season. And and somewhere like Paris Saint Germain would give him that possibility. But again, no one's put an offer on the table for him yet. As for what Roma do next, um, of course, they're in a holding pattern now. They have to wait for wait and see what um, uh, what. Um, Jose does before they can act on anything and I think that it's going to be a very difficult appointment for them um, to make given all the financial constraints we just talked about whoever comes in next knows it's going to be a, a belt tightening year you're not going to get the luxury that, that Jose did of a 100 million euro plus transfer window so so it's a, it's a tough spot for, for Roma as, as for Mourinho the other club I didn't mention just then that his being floated a little bit in Italy is the idea that he could go to to Napoli of course with Luciano yeah, Spalletti we'll moving on and we'll come to that in just a moment but let's deal with this uh, possibility of going to PSG that's an option mm -hmm. another option of course is him returning to Real Madrid there is um, possibly going to be a vacancy there very shortly uh, we know which of those two options are the more likely first of all and and also what would work for Roma I th I think I, th I think in in terms of PSG it's interesting because what the the spell at Roma has really done for Mourinho he was toxic when he left Tottenham and mm -hmm. maybe he's still regarded as that in Premier League circles but whatever he's done trophy wise and finals you know, they've, they've sold out the Olympico 26 times in a row, mm -hmm. which I know we've said that before on this podcast. It's extraordinary. 27, if you want to include last night when they had that watch along at, at, at the Olympico with all those fans. It's been sold out for days. And that that is something extraordinary. There are better Roma teams, much better Roma teams than this current one that have not filled that stadium. The champion team in 2001, led by Francesco Totti, Gabriel Battistuta and the rest because of his personality because, because of, of the way he connects with the crowd so Roma because will want of the to way keep him then but they can't they, they just can't it, it it just won't work for all the, all those reasons that we 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 talked about um and so it's it's kind of cleaned his image a little bit um and maybe there will be be people watching the final watching the histrionics watching the um really studied and quite cynical way of getting after the, the match officials, which is, you know, I, I, I don't have as much of a problem with as a lot of people do. I, I, I thought it was quite entertaining, if I'm perfectly <laughs> honest about it. But it's, it's something that's very studied and deliberate. I do wonder if, if you're a decision maker at PSG and you're Real Madrid, you look at that. I, I think it's easier to ignore that. I think it's easier to put it to one side and think, actually... This guy is still mediatastic. He can still excite fans. He can still create that thing because... Excite the players as well. Yeah, though, I, I, I think so. The players all believed in that. And I think you saw that from the way that Tammy Abraham, when he was pretending he was way more hurt than he was and was staying on the floor for ages, when Sevilla got a free kick at halfway yes. and Chris Smalling was going to Rui Patricio. No, don't kick it back to them. Wait for them to go and get it. <laughs> the, way that, the way that when Dybala was off the pitch, he was doing as much running as when he was on the pitch after mm -hmm. the fourth official. 
all of those things show that they really believe in the coach and they really believe in his methods. So if he could transfer that to PSG and Real Madrid, look, I, I think there's a high poison quotient and great possibilities of it, 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 it going wrong. But I could understand why those clubs would really be interested in. What do you again. reckon, Nicky? Out of PSG and Real Madrid, you're going for PSG. I I definitely think sometimes I'm guilty of overemphasizing this narrative thing. So sorry if I'm doing it, but I do think that that in in hiring practices, not just in football, companies do this all the time. Of 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 what's like our company story we're trying to tell right now, and the story that PSG want to tell and have wanted to tell forever is that we can compete in Europe with the biggest clubs now. We, they've won in France. They've done that over and over and over again. The story they want now is PSG in France, in Europe, playing with, with everyone else. And on that front, like Jose, I mean, he, he comes one game short of it being perfect, but he's told a pretty good story of, look, I'm still the guy who can win you European Cups, right? Like I took Roma to their yeah. first big UEFA Cup w- win and I nearly took them to a, a Europa League win, even though... They were by no means the best team in the Europa League. Not even close. I mean, they finished, well, they haven't finished yet, but they're currently sixth in Serie A, right? They're not. And again, Sevilla deserve even more praise in this front. They're 11th in La Liga, but we're not talking about them right now. So he did. He overachieved in Europe with with Roma. There's there's no question about that. Um, You might not like how he did it, but he did it. So if you're looking for that that idea, that belief in someone that can take your club and and succeed in Europe... um, and I think PSG overwhelmingly do want that. Um, it makes sense. I think the Real Madrid story is more complicated because he has the history there and because it isn't just about Europe, even though they do view themselves as a big European club that wants to keep winning in Europe. They have they have more to their sense of identity than PSG do. So I, I don't know. That doesn't mean he couldn't go back to Madrid. I don't think, I mean, I'm not excluding that, but I think PSG feels like an obvious fit in that regard. Yeah, as you've already intimated, there is rumours or hearsay of a possible other option. This is -hmm. from Nick on Twitter. Uh, To follow on from the Ramble Reacts chat about Mourinho, next destination, should he leave Roma? Is Napoli feasible? (laughs) Feasible, yes. Um, Personally, I think likely no, but... um... We'll see. Uh, Ariel De Laurentiis, the Napoli owner, definitely has a good relationship with with Jorge Mendes. Um, also, um, has now said uh, in a, an interview, he sort of laid out specifically what they want from the next manager, and he said that he wants a manager who can play four three three because that's the players that he thinks he has in his team and 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 what they need to fit around, which doesn't exclude a lot of people. Um, but certainly has sort of um, reduced the expectations for one name that was being floated in Italy, which was Giampiero Gasperini, who's leaving Atalanta. So does Mourinho fit the bill of, of a, a manager who can play 4-3-3? Yes. Does Mourinho fit the manager who could do what Napoli wants to do next, which is European success? Definitely. Um, I, I find it really fascinating with Napoli because even sort of building up to this title win this season, the, 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 the way they've gone through managers has always felt like it has a certain... I suppose not always, there's been a couple of interim appointments, but it's almost always felt like it has a certain progress to it, right? Like Eddie Ray had took them into the top flight. They had a brief moment with Roberto Donadoni, but that was, again, just like a, a moment. It was an interim thing. Then you got Mazzari, who was someone who brought like this specific identity and something new to the team. And and they had a, a, a great European moment almost with, with Cavani and, and Lavezzi and the team. Then it was, okay, now we're going to bring in a big European name. 
Rafa Benitez, he says a statement appointment. This is someone who's going to bring in players we didn't think we could sign, like Higuain and and Callahan and, and Albiol. And and then you get the step from there next is Sari, who's the homegrown, got some sort of really clear ideas with taking a step away from that ideas of just big name to like someone who's who's got an up and coming brilliance to them. Then it was back to big European name Ancelotti. There's been this sort of constant like seeking of the next thing the next thing the next thing and then you get to Spalletti and he wins the league and so what's next how do you keep this feeling of we're a club that's progressing every time we make a new appointment we're making a deliberate choice to progress and appoint something new and I can see how you could tell the story of Mourinho being that progress because you're making the appointment of someone who has won European Cups you got to a quarterfinal this time you want to go further you want to show you can you can take that all away personally I don't think it will be the appointment. I think that um, there is too much invested in that um, idea of how good the football was this season, that Napoli did play great football, that they have got talents who are um, expressive in the way that they play, who are creative, who can do things that are a bit more exciting than that. And I don't see Mourinho as that guy. I agree. I think think the Mourinho football is a tough sell to, Mm. to, to Napoli fans at the, at the moment it's interesting when you hear some some of the others linked uh when you look at Luis Enrique who Aurelio De Laurentiis has, has, has talked about um as, as being a, a good candidate a really good candidate but someone who would um maybe prefer a Premier League job I don't know if he's he's daring Luis Enrique to deny that to a to, to a certain extent um I think another interesting one is Sergio Concisal. Now we've talked about him, linked linked him to um, Serie A jobs before. Done an extraordinary job with Porto. Um, again, it's it's kind of Mourinho esque. He's not had no money, but he's had it. He's not had the players he's wanted. I think I think it's it's, it's fair to say, and he's proved that by leaving some very very expensive players out of the team and and, and clashing with his, his president Pinto de Costa in, in in doing that. Now I, I think. Concesal would be a great appointment for me. I think he's he's a coach who's going to become a great coach in big European terms, and I'm I'm pretty sure he'll he'll do it in Italy. I think the difficulty is with this, and he's indicated that if he isn't backed in the in the way that he would like, he would leave. So it's again, it's not dissimilar to the Mourinho situation. I, th- I think the difficulty is though, when you're looking at Concesal, there are two things. Firstly, in 2021. Um, De Laurentiis spoke publicly about how he'd made a deal with Concesal before just to smoke out Spalletti and get him to take the job. I don't know how you really come back from that. I think that's quite hard to to, to take back. I think the other thing is, you look at the whole way that Spalletti has, has, has left Nicky, there's always been this sense that he's been cutting corners a little bit. So that's certainly what Napoli fans thought at the beginning of the season when he lets some big players go. Obviously, his approach has, has, has turned out to be the right one. You've seen that through the football and the fact they've won the title, which has been extraordinary. But Concesao has battled with his president, a very experienced president, a much more experienced president than De Laurentiis even, and said, look, if you don't give me what I want, I'm off. Now, the whole reason that this Spalletti situation has, has come up is because he was notified by... Uh, by by letter that he was gonna he was gonna have his contract extend, extended. So rather than saying we're grateful for your work and we're gonna offer you a new deal, it was just 
right, we're, we're, we're actioning this clause on your contract to, to give you an extra year. And it made him feel... After winning not, the title, yeah, well, mm-hmm. it, was, it, was just, it was when they were on the way to winning the title. Okay. So just before they were winning the title. It's clear they were going to win it at the time. But yeah, he, he felt disrespected. And I don't see how a coach like Concisau, with what he wants, or actually, certainly Mourinho, with what he wants, how does that click with De Laurentiis? Does yeah, I, I think that, 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 that bluntly there's probably a financial part to this as well. It's part of why Spalletti felt a bit disrespected. Um, there was this whole sort of um, back and forth about De, De Laurentiis talking about um, having a, 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 you know, needing a set of wings and, and Spalletti saying, I don't need a set of wings to do what I'm trying to do. I just need a set of boots. And really, you know, asking your manager who's just won the title for the first time in 33 years to, to just carry on on the contract they've got. Um, when the likes of Mourinho are earning twice as much in Serie A was a tough sell. And and I think that um, that therefore are you going to pay Mourinho that? There's one name you haven't um, mentioned in there, Andy, which I think would be a really interesting name that, again, fits this sort of bill of 4-3-3 manager and, and who I think you could sell to supporters as an interesting appointment, which is Vincenzo Italiano, who's had mm. a, a sort of meteoric rise in Italy, just every job he's been at. Um, from Serie D all the way up to to Serie, to Serie A now um, with Fiorentina. He's overachieved and he's now got Fiorentina in the Conference League final. That would not be the appointment who speaks of, I've been there and done it in the Champions League before, of course. This is someone who's never done it before, but I do think he would be quite a popular choice. Um, so I, I, De Laurenti said he's got 10 names on his list. So I think it's very possible that all the names we've mentioned are on his list and, and we'll see how it plays out. Well, it's been something of a dramatic ending to the Turkish league as well. Galatasaray, remember them, back as league champions for the first time in four years. Their 23rd league title. Should we be surprised, Andy? Well, not off the back of the last couple of months. Um, I think it's huge credit to Fenerbahce that they've actually made a race of it they've, they've they've been relentless in in holding on to galatasaray's coattails but they've, they've just been fantastic this season very very ambitious recru- recruitment at the start of the season and when you consider the cut in the value of the turkish super league tv deal you know it's worth a third of what it was last season it's so, been devaluation of the lira as well isn't it? yeah that huge and, and that is that is absolutely huge of course you're right um but that they they were going for it from early on. You know, you look at the the, the signings, you look at Dries Mertens, Lucas Toreira, um, Sergio Oliveira, and of course the main man, Mauro Icardi, who's been brilliant for them um, this this season. Um, he got a brace in the 4-1 winner, Ankara Guju, on Tuesday night, which clinched the title. He's got 21 goals in the league alone. He's, he's been the best player in the league by an absolute mile. Um whether they can keep him next season. I mean, as we've said before, PSG was so keen to get rid of him. They've been paying 88% of his wages this season. Oh, 88%. How much you must want to get rid of a player <laughs> to do that. We'll come back to Icardi in, 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 in a minute though, because I have to give a lot of uh, credit to Okan Buruk, um, former player and like a really interesting coach who has, I think, deserved a, a, a crack at this job. He's played really exciting football uh, at other clubs. And he's brought that to Galatasaray. And I think that's something that's really difficult to do. I mean, I do, we, we heard Nicky talking about um, Maurizio Sarri beforehand. 
it's not quite the same thing because um, Burak had a, a, a brilliant career as a coach, uh, as, a, as a player, and you know he, he has coached at, at clubs of substance before. But I, th- I think there was a little question mark, a, a little, a little bit like Sarri coming from Empoli. Can you apply those methods to, to a big team? Uh, what, yeah, to a club with this kind of mania around it. And he's he's done it really well. I mean, he's he's had a good defence as well. Um, again, Sasha Bowie, the right back that a lot of Premier League clubs are interested in. He's been one of the best players in the league. He's been like a lights out. He he will be in in the, in the France squad in the, in the next year. I'm sure of it. He's he's a terrific player. Uh, Victor Nelson um, has, has been great centre half as, as as well. They've they've covered the loss of Marcao, who who, who went severe at the, the the start of the season, and they've played bold and brave football how far that will get them in the champions league we'll have to wait and see but at least they're in the champions league but the key thing as they've got into the final third of the season is the click between Dries Mertens and Mauro Icardi two former Serie A players and they've been brilliant together Nicky yeah I mean Icardi's numbers are are pretty outrageous this season aren't they what 20 starts with three games off the bench and 21 goals in that run and, 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 and seven assists. Mertens, I'm really happy for for Dries Chiro, as they call him in, in Naples, of course, like for him to, who was so loved in Naples, was absolutely sort of the the, the, the one who the, the fans adored the most, much more than even Lorenzo Insigne, the homegrown kid. Um, for him to sort of miss out on the Napoli title, um, after everything he put into the club was was a bit of a sort of devastating one. So for him to get to go and win a different league title, at least in 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 Turkey, and and to be that uh, closest sort of um, I don't know ally to Icardi and scoring all those goals was was fantastic. And there was a lot of sort of very emotional um, moments after the end of this one. I was, of course, as an Arsenal fan, also saw Lucas Torreira who took off his um, his. Uh, his shirt and had a, a dedication to his mum who he lost during COVID as well was was sort of in floods of tears at the end of this game and uh, yeah lots of sort of familiar faces I suppose for those of us who do not perhaps follow the Turkish league quite as regularly um, there was still lots of, uh, of, of faces in this one who I think uh, connected to different audiences from before. I mean the real disappointment I suppose from a, a global perspective is that Obviously, there's been a huge reshuffling of the ca- uh, the calendar since the the, the earthquake. Uh, Gaziantep mm-hmm. Spor and Hatay Spor have, have not been playing since that. They're protected from relegation, but um, their games have been given as three nils in favour of the other team to, to to sort the rest of the league out. Their their players have been allowed to leave on 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 temporary loans uh, to to other teams in in that time. And for ages. We knew that the Galatasaray Fenerbahce Intercontinental Derby at Galatasaray at the, at, the, at the Neff Stadium has been on the horizon as the penultimate game of the season, but we didn't know quite when it will be. Now it's it's, it's going to be this Sunday. Um, for a while, it looked as if it might be the title decider, which would have been absolutely seismic. So this this midweek run of games has kind of like cut the bottom off that because Galatasaray are already the champions. I'm sure them and Okan Buruk are very relieved to not have to get something from that game. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they would have relished the opportunity. Maybe they would have relished the, the occasion, especially at, at their place. I guess the remaining question, Dotton, is uh, 
do Fenerbahce do a uh, guard of honour onto the pitch for Galatasaray? <laughs> oh, don't get into <laughs> that controversy. Oh, I've, my goodness. I've got a little bet on which way that might go. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think we want to bet on that, but I am interested in finding out what happens to Mauro Icardi after uh, his sojourn at Galatasaray, though, Nicky. Breaking up is so hard to do. <laughs> I mean, for him and Wonder, it seems to be a bi-weekly occurrence, doesn't it? Breaking up, getting together again. I um, I, I think he he would certainly have a home back in Italy, potentially a couple of different clubs, if he if he wanted it. That the one that's been consistently linked actually is Milan, which might sound controversial, of course, former Inter player, but given the terms he ended on with Inter's ultras, perhaps it's the most natural fit of all. But look, Milan are a team who. I think watching them in the Champions League particularly, you just see how much they're crying out for another option at number nine. Giroud's been brilliant for them. He's He's been such a, a fantastic sort of late career signing, but he is... Um, only getting older as we all are and and there's been no alternative there's been no there's been no 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 second choice right they, they signed Divock Origi and, and it hasn't he's really getting older gracefully though isn't he he's he getting is. older gracefully to be fair Gra- gracefully like Mourinho's uh, <laughs> and, and Roma behave gracefully on, on on Wednesday night I couldn't believe he said that but please carry on <laughs> no I, I didn't mean to do it to, 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 to disrespect Giroud anyway who I think has been as I said brilliant but they, they need they need another number nine they need they need depth up front they need more goals from somewhere and Icardi certainly has shown that he can keep scoring goals um, on and on um, pretty much most of wherever he's gone even if sometimes his family brings a little drama along with them Oh, what what does that refer to? What, what drama does his family bring along with them? Well, just this week in the Italian papers I was, I was reading about um, Wanda his, I think I think they're broken up at the moment, Wanda and and Maro. I'm I'm not always completely on top of the latest gossip, but I'm I'm pretty sure they are. But Wanda was doing a, an Instagram live with um her son Valentino. Of course, Valentino is Maxi Lopez's son, as most people remember. There was this whole sort of story at the beginning with um Wanda and Maro because Maro was very good friends with Maxi Lopez, and then Wanda uh, dumped. Maxi Lopez and and went off with with Maro instead. Anyway, Valentino was was on this sort of Instagram live with his um with his mum and they were sort of answering questions about all the different moves because of how um following Maro's career has affected his life and he was saying, "Yeah, you know, I was happy in France, then we moved to Turkey and I didn't really like it at first, but I got used to it." Um but he talked about having to break up with a girlfriend that he had when he was in France and Wanda turned to him and she went, "Oh, you know, how did you break up with her how how did you break up with her how did you leave your your girlfriend and he just turned back to her and said well I guess it was a bit like when you broke up with dad (laughs) and and you claim that you're not on top of the gossip (laughs) (laughs) that one got me (laughs) it is time to ask both of you to recommend a game of the week as we're coming to the end of the uh, season certainly in the northern hemisphere here yeah. i imagine there aren't a huge amount of games to select from but you've both managed to get one for us who wants to go first andy well obviously you'll be watching galatasaray versus fenerbahce on on, on sunday As at five anyway intimated. with a good kuzu shish and a, a very fresh uh turkish salad with baklava to follow we, just go for the kebab surely how however that, that's, that's what kuzu shish is yeah, ah, yeah. Okay. um but uh having said that I think it's worth keeping an eye on first leg Thursday, second leg Monday, the German relegation slash promotion playoff between two. And 
absolutely enormous oh, clubs. Do love a playoff? Um, <laughs> don't we? Don't we just? Yes. <laughs> um, Stuttgart against Hamburg. Now um, we heard Archie talk earlier about the four-minute champions. Uh, Hamburg were promoted for probably about seven at, at, at the weekend. Uh, they won one nil at Sandhausen uh, at the time. Heidenheim, who started the day in second, were um, losing at uh, Jan Regensburg. Um, they were 2-1 down. They were 2-0 down. Then they were 2-1 down going into uh, stoppage time. 11 minutes of stoppage time at Regensburg. They scored in the 94th minute and then again in the 99th with Hamburg's fans already on the pitch starting to celebrate at Sandhausen that it snatched away from them. They got in the playoff against Stuttgart, the second leg at home in, in, in Hamburg, which will be interesting. And um, Heidenheim, having at the beginning of stoppage time, being in third place, ended up as champions because Darmstadt, who started the day in first, lost 4-0. So it's a remarkable, remarkable story. Hamburg have just completed their fifth um, season in the second tier and they really desperately need to come up but obviously it's huge for for Stuttgart as, as as well can we still eat the kebab it is Germany after all well I think after what happened on Saturday uh <laughs> there'll still be a, a little bit of humble pie left for those Hamburg fans and Nikki um for me it's Serie B playoffs this uh weekend and uh the second leg of um I think quite a fun one coming up on Saturday between Cagliari and Parma uh Cagliari leading 3-2 from the first leg. But I want to talk about familiar faces. Uh, Gigi Buffon in goal for Parma, of course, they're trying to make their climb all the way back from from bankruptcy up to, to, to Serie A. And Claudio Ranieri on the bench for Cagliari. So, I again, really fun first leg, um, 3-2 to, to Cagliari as it stands. But that was from Parma being 2-0 up as well. So plenty of, of opportunity for this one to swing back in the opposite direction. Um, and... Uh, of course, we've got to, it's summer, get ourselves into a classic Sardinian dish, fregola con arcella, which is uh, a specific kind of um, pasta. It's very popular in Sardinia, um, almost rice-like in its texture with clams. Nikki, how will busy will the subtitlers be if uh, Calorie go through? I think I know what you're talking about here, um, Andy. Um, there was a video that got shared on Twitter, which is amazing. Um, of uh, this uh, boy, I, I think I'd say preteen, could be early teen, a uh, boy who's uh, celebrating Cosenza's um, playoff win over Brescia in their relegation playoff. Uh, and um, someone has taken the the, the Calabrian original and uh, translated it into um, Scottish dialect. And it's one of the best videos I've seen on Twitter. So do check it out if you can find it. Thank you both. <laughs> That's Hootsmon. It got to number one in 1959. Lord Rockingham's 11. You've got to do that. The Football Ramble is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.